Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 8 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. The prosecutions say this was a persistent, very determined, very prolonged attack by the defendant. The prosecutions say, quite simply, the defendant was a man who knew at all times what he was doing. His actions were clear and had one aim. Prevent at all costs his wife leaving the house and seeking help. Prosecutor Matthew Roberts, Swansea Crown Court, February 2021. Shortly before 7 o'clock in the morning, a call was made to the emergency services. Still adapting to the nationwide lockdown measures that had recently been announced, 
Dressed in personal protective equipment, Gwent Police and the Welsh Ambulance Service scramble to an address on the Bringlas Estate, an area in Newport, South Wales. Paramedics found the woman in her late 60s. She was unresponsive, slumped on the floor in the porch of her home. A dressing gown cord was discarded close to her body, and she had a pair of keys in her hand. The scene implied that she frantically tried to open the front door, but was prevented from doing so before she was strangled. The Gwent police immediately arrested a suspect and waited to hear news from Royal Gwent Hospital. Before the emergency services were notified, 67-year-old Ruth Williams had been living with her partner, who she was married to for more than four and a half decades. They had lived at the address in Bringlas for the last 20 years. Ruth had retired four years earlier. She previously worked as a cashier in a local Asda supermarket. Her husband, Anthony, was formerly employed as an engineer and factory worker. The retiree's final job was in Cumbran, working for a rubber and polyurethane industrial roller manufacturer. The husband and wife had friends, but did not have much of a social life. The married couple spent most of their time together. When news of the incident reached the eyes and ears of the public, hundreds of tributes flooded social media and the comment section of websites for local newspapers. Ruth Williams, a mother and grandmother, was described as lovely and kind. Neighbours were interviewed, and confronting the devastating circumstances, one unnamed resident of Bringlass said, This is just awful. They always seemed like very nice people, but we think he had been ill recently. The family can't even grieve properly together. Describing Ruth, another local went on to say, She always had a smile on her face and a little twinkle in her eye. She and her husband seemed devoted to each other. There was nothing to say this was going to happen, but people are getting stressed over being locked up together at the moment. I hope that's not what's happened with Ruth. The alarm was raised by Ruth and Anthony's neighbours. Anthony Williams arrived on their doorstep distraught, admitting that he had killed his wife. After Ruth Williams was taken by ambulance to Royal Gwent Hospital, she was pronounced dead on arrival. Anthony Williams was charged with murder, and based on his wife's injuries, it was not hard to understand why. 
A pathologist concluded that along with nearly half a dozen neck fractures, Ruth Williams died as a result of pressure to the neck. Burst blood vessels were found in her eyes, face and mouth consistent with someone that had been strangled. A dressing gown cord was discarded near her body, although the dressing gown itself was still in the Williams's bedroom, hanging on a door hook. It was postulated that the cord could have been used in the killing, although there were no ligature marks around Ruth Williams' neck. Material the cord was made from was described as soft, so it could well have left no trace, or it was not used at all, and simply became entangled on either Ruth or Anthony Williams as they ran downstairs. When the question was posed as to whether or not the cord was used in the killing, it could not be ruled in or out. After the neighbours were notified, Anthony Williams subsequently decided to call 999. He said, She's dead. I've killed her. We had an argument and I've strangled her. You have to come straight away. Williams told not only the call operator and his neighbours, but the arresting officers and the detectives who interviewed him, that he was responsible for the killing. So it was puzzling why Ruth Williams' death was described as a mystery. By all accounts, the husband and wife were said to have never had a serious argument throughout their marriage. There were no shouting matches. Anthony Williams rarely raised his voice. And according to his daughter, he was someone that would not hurt a fly. Medical records indicated that at one point Ruth Williams had been treated for depression although her mental state had improved dramatically since she left her job working at a supermarket. There were no previous instances of bruises or broken bones from a suspected domestic attack that physicians were aware of. There were also no witness accounts that suggested Anthony Williams had struck Ruth, nor that he had been abusive. So why did he end her life so violently? And if he admitted what he had done, why was he pleading not guilty to murder? It was hoped the legal process would find some answers. After his arrest, Anthony Williams was held in police custody and appeared before Newport Magistrates Court two days later, on Monday, March 30th, 2020. The beginnings of the Crown Court proceedings were rather different from the process Judge Paul Thomas, the prosecutor, defence counsel and reporters covering the case were familiar with. They all appeared via video link. Anthony Williams, the man it was being said had murdered his wife, was noticeably absent from the courtroom. A trial was scheduled for later in the year. 
The judge addressed the situation that was unfolding not only in the United Kingdom but across the globe when he said, I have to say for several reasons, most of which are connected with the present situation. I personally think September 14th is unlikely to be met. Having said that, everyone should work towards that date. The previous week, the government of the United Kingdom announced a set of strict isolation measures when a national broadcast from the Prime Minister informed the public that the country would be going into lockdown. On the evening of Monday, March 23, 2020, a stay-at-home order was announced. The people of the UK were told to refrain from contact with anyone else outside their household as a way to stop the spread of coronavirus. Five days into lockdown, Ruth and Anthony Williams were self-isolating at their home when the killing occurred on the morning of Saturday, March 28. Throughout that week, they both had been helping their neighbours, although they agreed due to their age it would probably be best to isolate. The killing of Ruth Williams was said to be the first allegation of murder since the isolation measures were announced. Following the announcement of the stay-at-home order, there was a genuine concern that cases of domestic violence would spike along with infection rates of the virus. It was described by Rachel Williams the founder of Stand Up to Domestic Abuse, as a pandemic on a pandemic. Williams, no relation to Anthony Williams, was a domestic abuse survivor. She had suffered nearly two decades of abuse before she was shot, and then her husband took his own life. Rachel Williams went on to pioneer a scheme where someone who is being subjected to domestic abuse can go into a participating pharmacy or shop and ask for Annie. This is short for action needed immediately. The code word indicates that someone is in urgent need of help without alerting the person who is with them. Staff in these locations have often undergone training on safeguarding, and as most pharmacies have consultation rooms available, the person in danger can be ushered out of harm's way without raising suspicion. In an interview that was reported across most major news publications, the domestic abuse counsellor and campaigner said of the stay-at-home order, the perpetrators and the victims would normally spend some part of the day in work or socialising. That could give the victims breathing space and someone to talk to. The children are also not in school, which means they don't have a safety net, and in some cases, a decent meal. Now they're all sharing their surroundings 24-7 with no breathing space. It will be tougher than normal. There was no doubt that the killing of Ruth Williams was horrendous, especially as the person that ended her life so violently was her husband. 
Numerous journalists and furious social media users suggested they did not believe the claim made by Anthony Williams, that he was not of sound mind when he strangled his wife. The case was often mentioned when the topic of domestic abuse came up, during the conversations around some of the dangers of a nationwide lockdown and the lack of support offered to victims. But according to witnesses and experts, the situation was far from cut and dry. The question as to whether or not it was actually a murder was to be decided by a jury of Anthony Williams' peers. Judge Paul Thomas was not wrong when he said the possibility of the trial taking place in September 2020 was unlikely. It was ten and a half months between Anthony Williams' arrest and his appearance before a jury at Swansea Crown Court. During the second week of February 2021, the court was told that leading up to the killing of Ruth Williams... Her husband had been having trouble sleeping. Anthony Williams claimed he was struggling to come to terms with what was going on around him. A nationwide lockdown had been enforced, and due to the stress this brought, Williams claimed he just, quote, snapped. As he was being transported to the police station to be processed, he told the officers, I have been depressed lately. I don't know what's the matter. It wasn't murder and I didn't mean to murder her. I just flipped, mate. Flipped. It wasn't me. I wouldn't hurt a fly. It wasn't me. I'm not like that. And I don't know what came over me. Anthony Williams denied murder, but admitted to a charge of manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. He said his judgment was substantially impaired. Nevertheless, this was not something the Crown were willing to accept. It was recognised the defendant was suffering from depression and anxiety. But was this enough to impair his awareness of what he was doing? Interestingly, when medical records were reviewed, unlike his wife, Anthony Williams did not report his depression to his doctor. There was no previous medical history of depression. It was only identified through retrospective analysis. Acting for the prosecution, Barrister Matthew Roberts discussed the defence's position and told the jury... They do not, say the prosecution, come even remotely close to being substantial in the sense required to establish diminished responsibility. The actions of the defendant that morning, persistent, prolonged and determined. A man who would not stop attacking his wife, upstairs and downstairs, until she was dead. Describing how the events unfolded, the jury were told that Anthony Williams was concerned about what was going to happen during lockdown. He was worried about both his mental and physical health. He had problems swallowing. 
He was also anxious about how the couple could live off their savings if the banks closed. As he vocalised his concerns to his wife in their bedroom that morning, it was at this point he was told to get over it. Anthony Williams admitted to the officers that perhaps his wife could have said anything before he attacked her. The defendant attempted to strangle his wife in the bedroom, although she managed to flee downstairs. She was pursued by her husband before he caught up with her in the porch of their home, and Anthony Williams ended Ruth Williams' life by strangling her to death. The prosecutor told the court that although Williams denied the murder, he had admitted to purposefully killing his wife when he was questioned during a police interview. He was asked, Are you responsible for the murder of your wife, Ruth Williams? I am, Anthony Williams answered. In the interview room, Williams was asked to explain why he ended his wife's life. An officer pointed out to Williams that he was 69 and had no criminal record. What happened? The suspect said he felt bewildered and did not feel like the killing truly occurred. Several interviews with police officers were recited to the court. A portion of the transcript read, We woke in the morning. I had been tossing and turning all night. Two nights I could not sleep. My wife said, Get over it or come on, get over it. I just snapped. I started screaming and she tried calming me down. I had my hands around her throat and I was actually choking the living daylights out of her. I had all these scratches over me and she is fighting me back. She managed to get away from me and went downstairs. I went after her and she went to unlock the doors to go out and I tried to stop her. I just had my hands on her throat and I was just throttling her to death. Then I was going to commit suicide. But I couldn't. I did mean to kill her, but to kill myself after as well. I know you don't want to hear that, but there's no more for me to say because that's part and parcel of what happened. Anthony Williams spoke about money. He was upset the couple might not be able to pay the bills. He was distressed that they might get trapped and there was no way to access funds from the bank. He was worried about his home. How was he going to be able to fix the roof if there was a problem? Also, he told officers he only had two pairs of shoes one of which had seen better days. How was he going to be able to buy some more footwear? Williams described himself as a total warrior, even about trivial things. As the questions continued in the interview room, 
officers asked Williams about his financial affairs. Was he in debt? Is that why he was worried? But Anthony Williams said the married couple did not owe anyone any money. They had paid off their mortgage and had more than enough in the shared account to pay the bills for quite some time. Analysing the couple's financial records revealed they had nearly £20,000 in a bank account and almost £150,000 in savings. This was brought to the attention of the court by defence barrister John Hipkin QC. Anthony Williams had asked that his wife make a substantial withdrawal from their savings to a bank account to ensure money was available. Williams explained that he never argued with his wife, barely ever raised his voice. On the odd occasion he did, his wife was the sort of person who would get upset and burst into floods of tears. The only time the couple really had any minor arguments, which Williams described as niggles, it related to him being lazy. Williams admitted that he did little around the home or garden. Most of the domestic duties were left to his wife. According to Anthony Williams in the past, he had spoken to his wife about his depression. She told Williams to pull himself together. As lockdown began and restrictions were imposed, Williams said his anxiety escalated. He claimed his wife continually told him not to worry about it. Describing how the couple interacted, the person who perhaps knew them best took the stand. Emma Williams said her father was a gentle giant. The witness said that she had never heard either of her parents shout. They barely left each other's side. While there were no medical records of Anthony Williams ever reporting his depression, his daughter had made comments over electronic correspondence. She mentioned her father's behaviour. Anthony Williams began to obsess over saving money religiously checking his energy bill, making sure every light in the house was switched off if no one was in the room, and he ensured the central heating was always turned off when it was not needed. When Williams visited his daughter, the same type of behaviour would play out. Williams often switched off her heating if he felt she was being wasteful. He became fixated. The court was told this concern ballooned when the pandemic struck. Questioned on the physical health issues her father suffered from, relating to Anthony Williams' problem swallowing, it was revealed he was convinced a lump in his throat might be cancer. This was despite the conclusions of a doctor who was unable to find anything after multiple examinations. While cancer was unproven, Anthony Williams still worried. He struggled to sleep 
The problems with his throat meant his diet had been impacted. He was not eating as much. Emma Williams testified that during the first days of lockdown, a father was becoming increasingly focused on his shoes. One pair was almost worn through. Williams apparently kept going back to count them, in spite of having only two pairs. He continued to voice a sense of foreboding. How was he going to buy another pair? When lockdown was announced, Anthony Williams was glued to news reports, becoming more and more fixated about what was happening. He was paranoid about what would transpire if he left the house. Williams was, according to the witness, someone that had previously enjoyed making the odd joke. However, his personality shifted considerably. His daughter told jurors, He always had his head buried into his tablet and wasn't talking much, just looking at things about COVID online. I said, Dad, you need to stop watching the news all the time and worrying about COVID. You're spiralling out of control. Anthony Williams voiced the opinion the couple might need to move in with their daughter if things got worse. Anthony Williams' mental state was discussed by consultant forensic psychiatrist Dr. Alison Witts. Dr. Witts had spoken with Williams three times over video call to assess his condition. She was of the belief that Anthony Williams struggled with a depressive illness. The doctor believed the problems were long-standing. Dr. Witts deduced Williams' former factory job provided him with a sense of structure. As his days were now free following his retirement, he no longer had something he had been using as his coping mechanism. His mental health was deteriorating. The psychiatrist told the court, Depression in over-60s is often not diagnosed and left untreated because they tend to minimise the symptoms and think they should be mentally stronger. Along with neurotic disposition and anxiety issues which were at their peak stemming from the pandemic, Dr. Witt said this, quote, substantially impaired his ability to understand the nature of his conduct, form a rational judgment, and impaired his ability to exercise self-control. The expert witness was of the opinion that Anthony Williams was not of sound mind, and a verdict of manslaughter by diminished responsibility should certainly be contemplated. The opinion of consultant psychiatrist Dr. Alison Witts was not presented without argument. Jurors were reminded by consultant forensic psychiatrist Dr. Damien Gamble that there were no medical records that could back up the claims made by Anthony Williams. The second consultant forensic psychiatrist was sure the defendant's reasoning was unimpaired. Williams knew what he was doing. 
Dr. Gamble said there was a lack of, quote, psychiatric defences. Anthony Williams never took the stand. He chose to neither explain why the killing happened nor allow himself to be cross-examined. The only evidence on his state of mind had to be filtered through the opinion of experts, witnesses and his daughter, who he was closest to. After evidence was presented, the prosecution and defence counsel provided closing arguments before Judge Paul Thomas summed up the case. The jury retired for the weekend. The case at the Crown Court in Swansea had lasted less than a week. It was argued by the Crown that Anthony Williams was of sound mind when he knowingly put his hands around his wife's throat and at first unsuccessfully attempted to strangle her. He chased her through the house, ending her life in the porch by wrapping either a soft dressing gown cord or his hands around her neck. The prosecutor was insistent it was murder. However, on Monday, February 15th, 2021, the jury did not concur with the case presented by the Crown. After the killing, Williams went to see his neighbours and admitted that he took his wife's life. He made the confession to anyone that would listen. The 999 call operator police officers and detectives. As soon as he was able, Anthony Williams put forward a guilty plea to manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility. He described the killing as finding himself committing the act rather than being in control. Williams counsel John Hipkin QC did not feel his client was of sound mind. This was something every member of the jury who heard the evidence agreed with when they found Anthony Williams not guilty of murder. Judge Paul Thomas announced he was considering what sentence would be most appropriate. After a few days of reflection... A judgment would be reached when the court reconvened. After the verdict, there was an outcry over what a large percentage of the public saw as a miscarriage of justice. Many questioned how someone who pursued their victim then strangled them to death was found not guilty of murder. They felt there must have been a history of abuse. Domestic abuse campaigner David Shallon published his thoughts on social media. His mother Sally was initially found guilty of murdering her husband following years of coercive controlling behaviour and abuse 
before her conviction was quashed and reduced to manslaughter in a landmark appeal. David Challen wrote, An appalling verdict. Anthony Williams cleared of murdering his wife Ruth. Defence argued he was suffering depression and anxiety days into the first lockdown. But when women kill their abusers when trying to survive, they're convicted of murder. During the national lockdown across the United Kingdom, there was a surge in instances of domestic abuse and a significant increase in the number of calls being made to domestic abuse charities. In a statement a few weeks after the lockdown was announced, the then acting chief executive of Women's Aid, a national domestic violence charity, described how the stay-at-home order threatened to escalate abuse and close down routes to safety for women to escape. Posting a statement on the Women's Aid website to address the rising cases of abuse and the dangers for victims when they were trapped with their abusers, Nikki Norman said, The murder of a woman by her husband is not a coronavirus murder. COVID-19 does not cause homicide. Abusers do. Domestic homicides are usually underpinned by a long-standing pattern of controlling and coercive behaviour by the abuser. Three women are murdered by their partner or ex-partner every fortnight in England and Wales. With reported domestic abuse cases rising worldwide during the pandemic, there is a real risk that murders may rise further still. Judge Paul Thomas described the killing of Ruth Williams as tragic on many levels. In the judge's mind, he could find no logical explanation for why Anthony Williams killed his wife. In spite of the commentary on social media, the evidence presented in court suggested there was no history of violence. No one could provide any evidence that Williams was abusive. He had no criminal record. He was labelled inoffensive and placid. The supposed moment when Anthony Williams attacked and killed his wife was only after she told him to get over it, when he voiced his concerns about lockdown and money. Fears he himself described as trivial. When sentencing Williams, the judge Paul Thomas said, The overwhelmingly greatest tragedy here is that a lady of 67 in reasonable health and with so much to live for had her life ended by an act of great violence at the hands, literally, of a man that she had loved for very nearly 50 years. There is also the tragedy that that act, lasting only a matter of minutes at most, and immediately repented by you will now be the defining one of the rest of your life. You will have to live with the knowledge that you killed your wife and that you have left your daughter without her beloved mother. But it will be the heaviest of burdens for you, I have no doubt. 
The judge considered the evidence from a psychiatrist who believed that Anthony Williams' mental state was severely impaired. It was theorised based on interviews with Williams that he was unable to form rational judgement when he took his wife's life. This was accepted by the jury. Ruth and Anthony Williams' daughter spoke of her father's behaviour, his struggles with the pandemic, his worries about saving money and his mental state. It was impossible to reconcile the man the prosecution described and the man she knew as her father. Emma Williams had even written to the court and pleaded for leniency. However, the judge said his wider public duty meant that a prison sentence was inevitable. For the crime of manslaughter by reason of diminished responsibility, Judge Paul Thomas told Anthony Williams that had he pleaded not guilty, the sentence would have been seven and a half years. Still, as Williams pleaded guilty to manslaughter as soon as he was able there would be a reduction of a third. For killing his wife, Anthony Williams was told he would have to serve five years. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. 
the judgment that Anthony Williams should serve five years for the crime of manslaughter after he strangled his wife to death only stoked the flames of what domestic abuse campaigners and many social media users described as unjust. They voiced the belief that five years was too low considering the sentencing options open to the judge. There was disquiet that this sentence could set examples for sentencing in the future. Women's Aid offered a statement posted on their Facebook page. It read, We are shocked by the leniency in this case, and a precedent must not be set that allows domestic homicide to be an inevitable result of the current restrictions. Many experts in the fields of both domestic abuse and criminology were again quick to point out that lockdown was not causing men to kill their wives. As reported by the Guardian newspaper, Forensic criminologist Jane Monkton-Smith said that lockdown was, quote, making already unstable people more volatile. Lockdown can certainly act as a trigger to make them more volatile, but it's not causing it. Based on the consensus of the public, it appeared that the sentence handed down to Anthony Williams should be reviewed. Director of the Centre for Women's Justice Harriet Wistrich, a solicitor who had been involved in several high-profile cases that surrounded violence towards women, offered her thoughts in a statement that was widely reported. Yet again we see deep-seated discriminatory attitudes laid bare by this latest sentencing which at its heart rests on a culture of misogyny, Wistrich said. It is clear that women who resist male violence are punished most severely, whereas men who throttle their wives to death for no apparent reason are just tragic figures. Along with several other members of Parliament, MP Harriet Harman, who had been heavily involved in raising awareness around domestic abuse and challenging the laws that were in place, announced that she had raised the topic of Anthony Williams' sentence with the Attorney General, requesting that it be reviewed for potential referral under the unduly lenient sentence scheme. Harmon's remarks were reported by the Guardian newspaper. If he had killed his neighbour or his neighbour's wife, it's inconceivable that he would have got five years, Harmon said. This sentence is a result of the culture of excuses that surrounds domestic violence. It must be perverse that you get a discount on your sentence if your victim is your wife. In an interview with the Press Association, MP Jess Phillips echoed Harmon's comments and addressed the possibility that Anthony Williams would serve only half his sentence behind bars considering most sentences excluding life are served half in prison then half on licence back in the community. Phillips said, We're looking at somebody serving around 18 months in prison when there is a woman who is dead. The areas in which I think this case needs to be examined are the difference between how men and women pleading, such as a defence of diminished responsibility, are managed, and the way that plays out 
specifically in cases of alleged domestic murder. The uproar in the media was at fever pitch. Several articles linked to guidance on what can be done if the reader was experiencing domestic violence. But there had been some genuine concern when the jury were deliberating over the weekend before they passed their verdict. There were hundreds of comments on social media that could have very well influenced the proceedings had the jury seen them. Jurors should arrive at a decision free from outside influence, based only on the evidence they have heard in the courtroom. They are instructed not to read anything published elsewhere. As a defendant has a right to a fair trial, if comments are made to the public at large, for example through social media, that causes a substantial risk to seriously impede justice and is prejudicial to the case, then the legal proceedings could be stopped, or worse, a jury discharged and the court case abandoned entirely. There are, however, limitations as to whether or not legal action would be taken against the person responsible. A comment about the trial was posted by Rachel Williams, the domestic abuse counsellor and campaigner. She had previously spoken to the media. She was not alone when she composed a post on Twitter questioning how Anthony Williams just snapped. The tweet suggested, given the events, there must have been a history of abuse. Williams offered her sympathies, but indicated the killer should be found guilty of murder. This social media post was then retweeted by Helen Mary Jones, a member of the Senate, informally referred to as Welsh Parliament. When the jury reconvened, the judge had been alerted and requested that the social media post be removed. However, hundreds more were still online. Before the jury were allowed to continue the deliberations, the judge asked if anyone had seen that comment in particular, which he referred to as highly inappropriate. The catchment area of the jury was in Helen Mary Jones' constituency. But as it turns out, none of the jury members saw what was posted, and they continued with their deliberation before ultimately finding Anthony Williams not guilty unanimously. No action was taken for the social media post other than a stern warning by the judge. Judge Paul Thomas recognised the horrific nature of domestic abuse. Still, he said that in relation to judgment on this situation, a quote, one-size-fits-all approach was extremely incongruous. The conclusion that there was no evidence of domestic abuse was also reached by the Torvine Council Public Service Board when they concluded that a DHR, or domestic homicide review, would not be carried out. 
Their records indicated that the Williams family had very little involvement with any services relating to domestic abuse. The board did not feel, based on the evidence, that they would be likely to uncover anything that would benefit agency learning. Despite this belief, MP Harriet Harman disagreed and wrote to the Home Secretary as the public outcry showed no signs of abating. Public dialogue suggested that just because the evidence was not presented at the trial did not mean it was not there. Armand told the Press Association, It's really important to look at the surrounding circumstances and whether or not there was any evidence that anybody had, that there was coercive control and an abusive situation at home. We don't know that until a domestic homicide review undertakes its work. That's why it needs to happen. In a statement which the media saw before the Torvine Council Public Service Board, the Home Secretary Priti Patel described the killing as a spontaneous event, but felt that lessons needed to be learned and the board had misunderstood its objectives. Quote, A DHR would help to uncover where there were missed opportunities and support your understanding about how to prevent further tragedies in cases where there does not appear to be any abuse. I consider this particularly important given domestic abuse is often a hidden harm, with victims suffering in silence, sometimes until it is too late. It was agreed that a domestic homicide review would go ahead. The turnaround regarding the domestic homicide review was not the only referral made when the case was being examined. A month after Anthony Williams was sentenced, the acting Attorney General Michael Ellis referred the case to the Court of Appeal. He believed that the sentence of five years was unduly lenient. The decision as to whether or not an increase was needed was placed in the hands of the justice system. As the investigation continued as to whether or not there were instances of domestic violence or coercive control in the Williams' household, the disparity between how men and women are treated when they kill a spouse or partner was something that was put under the microscope. Although it is not a common occurrence when a woman kills their partner because of a history of domestic violence, they are often asked the question, why didn't you leave? Confronting this, Julie Bindle, a journalist, writer and campaigner, authored an opinion piece that appeared in the Standard newspaper. Bindle wrote of the disparity in the same question being put to men who killed their spouse or partner. Arguments of infidelity, persistent criticism, or just innocuous remarks are put forward, but men are never asked why they didn't leave. Julie Bindle wrote, Abuse women such as Sally Challen are unduly punished and treated like cold-blooded killers, while men find excuses for their acts of murderous rage towards women. 
The rates of femicide should be prompting an urgent government inquiry into the institutionalised sexism that causes it. Sally Challen beat her husband to death with a hammer, following a history of being subjected to coercive control and abuse. There were numerous comparisons to the crime committed by Anthony Williams when he strangled his wife Ruth. The reason for the disparity between the sentences was potentially identified by the Centre for Women's Justice when they concluded that women who were subjected to domestic abuse and went on to kill their partners are more likely to use a weapon to defend themselves against a potentially stronger attacker and by using a weapon they are expected to face harsher punishment than if they were to kill without one. The Domestic Abuse Commissioner and Victims Commissioner for England and Wales felt there could be a disparity in sentencing. Nicole Jacobs and Dame Vera Bard QC penned a joint letter to the Home Secretary and Justice Secretary. There were questions surrounding the current laws and what could be done. Were women being disproportionately penalised? At the end of April 2021, following a referral to the Court of Appeal, a hearing was held to assess if the sentence Anthony Williams received was in fact unduly lenient. Lord Justice Bean, a British judge for the Court of Appeal of England and Wales, along with Mrs Justice Farby and Judge Paul Sloan QC, reviewed the evidence presented. It appeared that counsels for both sides recognised Anthony Williams' mental health issues. Still, the Attorney General's office felt that not enough impetus was placed on the aggravating features, the final moments of Ruth Williams' life and the suffering she went through. Tom Little QC representing the AGO put forward an argument that sentencing guidelines for domestic abuse should have been considered as it was domestic homicide between a husband and wife. This was an anxiety and depressive condition, not any form of delusional psychotic disorder, Little said. He described a spouse being strangled as an awful way to die. The person that killed her was the man she loved. Tom Little QC told the judges that the wrong application of the sentencing principles had been applied when, as he argued, the brutal nature of Ruth Williams' death was not seen as a relevant factor. When the appeal verdict came in, The words of the three appeal court judges were not met with praise by campaigners of domestic abuse. No more so than MP Harriet Harman, who voiced her surprise when she told the Associated Press that the court had too readily accepted what she referred to as excuses. In the findings, the Court of Appeal described the killing of Ruth Williams as a single incident out of the blue and a very atypical case of homicide. 
This is not, in our view, properly classified as a case of domestic abuse, the judges said. There was no history of controlling behaviour or coercive behaviour, or any previous incidents of violence or abuse. Quite the contrary. They were of the opinion that the trial judge was entitled to reach the sentence he did, based on what they described as the defendant's, quote, substantial mental impairment. Lord Justice Bean, Mrs Justice Farby and Judge Paul Sloan QC felt that Anthony Williams' actions were wholly explained by a mental illness that was untreated and unrecognised. In reply to the conclusions of the Court of Appeal, MP Harriet Harmon said, Domestic abuse doesn't have to be continuous, although it usually is. It can be a one-off homicide. To say it's not domestic abuse when a man kills his wife is fatuous. This is the ultimate, most extreme form of domestic abuse. The domestic abuse counsellor and campaigner Rachel Williams was interviewed again. Her comments were published by the BBC. She explained that when she heard the outcome from the Court of Appeal, she was almost lost for words. He knew exactly what was right and wrong, Williams said. Rachel Williams was still of the belief that the killing was committed by someone who was of sound mind. She felt there was more to the story. So where are we now? The Court of Appeal confirmed that Anthony Williams' sentence would not be increased and would remain unchanged at five years. Williams had already served nearly 11 months on remand before the court case. This counted towards his term. When questioned by police following his arrest, Williams said, In my mind, it feels like it never happened. It was like I dreamt it, he said. Sadly for everyone involved, it was far from a dream. More like a waking nightmare. Providing there are no incidents in prison, Anthony Williams is expected to be freed halfway through his sentence in autumn 2022. Thank you for listening. And a special thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.